It's hardly more than a toy. That's what the bigwigs at Western Union told Alexander Graham Bell when he invented the telephone. They laughed at him when he offered them a chance to get in on the ground floor. So he started his own company. And ten years later, 150,000 Americans owned their own telephone. Now, if you go into an airport, 99.6% of Americans are staring at their telephone. We need to waste little time dreaming. People will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. That's what one film producer said about TV back in 1946. And now, people stare at a plywood box all day every day on their smartphone. Ah, it's just a fad for fancy ladies, just a passing fancy. Cycling is dead. That's what they said about bicycles. Then as bicycles took over the roads, the experts said, the price of an automobile will never be sufficiently low to make them as widely popular as bicycles. The horse is here to stay. And you probably guessed that's what the experts said about cars. Even the founder of a computer company who had everything to gain hoped his customers hoped against hope. One day they would want one of his inventions for themselves, but he admitted, eh, there's really no reason anybody would want a computer in their home. There's something about making something that's never been made before that just makes you look silly when making it, and a genius when it's made. It makes me wonder what they said about Noah as he started scouring the woods for gopher wood. He felled a few trees and brought the timber to town, and some of the nosy neighbors peeked their heads above the fence. Hey, what you building, Noah? A boat? Oh, why are you building a boat? You don't live near water. You don't even like water. It's going to rain. What's rain, Noah? It's water. From the sky. And what makes you think water's going to fall from the sky, Noah? Water's never fallen from the sky. God told me. Now the jokes write themselves. You can hear everybody laughing at Noah as he went to work building a boat to save the world. But he did have a word from God, that God was going to send rain even though it had never rained, and everything that walked or flew and breathed was going to drown if it did not get on board that boat. A good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to The Floating Zoo on Simplify. God wasn't being petty. In the short time since Adam and Eve's shopping trip to the forbidden fruit stand, humanity had spiraled into a vortex of sin so deep. Genesis 6 verse 5 reads, Every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Sin and violence were more common than Swedish meatballs at Ikea. So God promised to wash the world and start over, but among the millions he found one man who found favor with him. In the middle of an unrighteous world, Noah lived righteous before God and blameless before men. Noah walked with God when everybody else ran from him. God gave the world a gift. He gave them Noah. And God gave Noah a gift. He gave him blueprints. Genesis 6 is the owner's manual for the ark. And the ark was no sailboat. On the small side, the ark was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. It was long as one and a half football fields. Noah's Ark was a barge. It wasn't built for comfort or for speed. It was just built to float, and it was built beautifully to float. Noah was curious 
Too curious not to ask, pray tell, God, what what in the world am I going to do with a 450-foot-long boat? You're going to save the world, Noah. Yeah, sorry I asked. This floating barge was also going to be a floating zoo. God promised to bring all the animals to Noah he would need to get on board the boat for life after the flood. He just had to worry about building the boat with enough rooms for all the animals. And just in case Noah forgot to make a grocery list, God told him to go grocery shopping for him, for his family, and for his floating zoo. God made sure Noah had everything he needed to make sure they had everything they needed once the door was shut and the rain fell. And Genesis 6 verse 22 ends with just a few simple words, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded, so he did. In my Bible, Genesis 6 verse 22 is only 13 words long, but those 13 words took Noah a hundred plus years. Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives, and maybe some hired help, they built the ark. And at the end of that 100 years, Noah changed his business card from boat builder to zookeeper. God sent a few stray animals his way, probably early on as a warm-up. Well, would you look at that? We got a couple of lions and oh, some tigers and ha, some bears. Oh, my. And then a few more and a few more and a few more. God was bringing the animals to him and gave him strict instructions on how many to bring on board. He was to bring seven of each clean animal and each bird, three males, three females, toss a coin for the seventh, because it would not end well for the seventh, and two of the unclean, one male, one female. God brought them and Noah and his family boarded all the animals. And at this point, many people wonder how in the world could one boat hold that many animals? We grew up with children's drawings of Noah standing on the deck in a light drizzle with giraffes poking their head through the top of the ark while whales do backflips in the water. Maximum capacity on the ark? Ten. But the ark was no sailboat. It was three stories high. It could hold around 500 boxcars full of animals and food and water for all of them. It could hold around 125,000 small animals. And Noah didn't have to bring every cocker spaniel and beagle and yorkie and poodle and schnoodle and golden doodle, labradoodle, peekapoo, yorkapoo, cockapoo, bassatoodle. Some dogs should never go together. He just needed to bring two dogs. There was plenty of room for Noah, his family, and his floating zoo. And there was even room on the ark for other families to be saved if they wanted to, if they believed what Noah preached. Noah preached to the people as he built the boat, but nobody listened to the 500-plus-year-old man for 100-plus years. They just thought he bumped his head building the boat. They watched him. They mocked him. But they didn't listen to him. Finally, Noah and his family and the floating zoo, they boarded the boat, and the people still didn't listen. Then God himself shut the door on the boat, and they still didn't listen. Once God shut the door, he opened the heavens and rained down rain. It had to surprise a few people standing near the door of the ark. On the same day Noah and his family boarded the boat, heaven cracked open a thousand hydrants and rained down rain. And God woke every geyser and fountain until rain fell and floods rose. People who used to make fun of Noah were begging Noah to open the door, but he could not open it because God had shut it. And in a few minutes, all those voices begging Noah to open the door were drowned out. Now why? Why would God hear all their cries and do nothing about it? That is a good question. But here's another one we have to ask. Why would all those people Hear Noah's warning for all those years, a hundred plus, 
and do nothing about it. Before you think God was judgmental, God was beyond gracious. He gave them 100 years to get ready for rain. And not one single soul besides Noah's family took the time they were given to get ready. The ark started to float, but they had no way to steer the ark. If I were building the boat, I would include at least one steering wheel, maybe two in case the first one broke, but the ark didn't even have turn signals because it wasn't Noah's job to steer the boat. It was Noah's job to trust God to steer the boat. Noah and his family sighed and they settled in. No idea how long they were going to be on this boat, how long it would rain, how long it would flood. So they went to work divvying up the chores on who would feed what, when, and who would clean up after what, when. Short straw has to clean up after the elephants. And while Noah's boys shoveled in the food and shoveled out the exhaust, I see Noah walking around each deck, running his fingers along the gopher wood just to make sure there was enough tar between the boards. He remembers being generous with the tar, but it would have been very easy to skip a little here, a little there. The sun was shining, birds were singing, there wasn't a cloud for miles. But once the boat was reeling on the water, Noah was glad he spent the time to make sure there was enough tar between the boards to keep the water outside the boat, outside the boat. It would be very easy to skip a little on the tar. Skip a Sunday here, skip a prayer meeting there, go a week or so without praying at home, leave your Bible on the shelf, go a month without giving your tithe or your missions. To God, the sun is still shining, the birds are still singing. Jesus is still safe far on the other side of glory. Your boat's still sitting on dry ground without a cloud in this time zone. But when Jesus comes back for his church, and he will come back for his church, the boat we build now will either be enough to take us home, or it will fall apart and leave us here. We have to follow Noah's faithful lead and build our boat right, right now. On that day, we will be so glad we took the time at an altar to repent of our sins and ask God to forgive us, and we'll be so glad we took the time to get baptized in water in the name of Jesus to have our sins washed away in Jesus' holy name written on our lives. We'll be so glad we took time to pray for God to fill us with his sweet Holy Spirit to give us the power to live a holy life in an unholy world. And that's where we're going to end the story for this week. I would like us to pray that God would help us to build the boat right. The life we live, the, the time we spend doing whatever we're doing in this life, all that will matter on that day will be that we are right with God on this day. And so would you lift your voice right now and pray with me, and let's ask God to help us to build the boat right, to build our lives right, build it on his word, live our lives for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, God. You have given us preachers, pastors. You've given us those who have preached this glorious message that you are coming back one day, and I've got to be ready. Just as Noah preached, Thank you for those who have preached to us about the coming of the Lord, that you are coming back. I I do pray help every one of us to build the boat right for ourselves, for our families, for our neighbors, for our friends. I pray, Lord Jesus, help us to spend the time you have given us to get ready for your coming. If there's anybody listening to this episode who has never gotten ready, never repented of their sins, or been baptized in water in the precious name of Jesus, or received the gift of the Holy Spirit, God, move on them even now. God, deal with them even now. Reach for them, Jesus. Bring them to a place of repentance and a place of being born of water, born of the Spirit, baptized and filled with the Spirit so they too can be ready for the day you come back. I pray every one of us will be ready 
for that day. I love you and I praise you. Thank you for your mercy and giving us time to get ready. Help us to do the very best we can with that time to be ready and help others. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Simplify listeners. I pray this has been a blessing and a help to you. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to share it. Click the like, the follow, the heart. Click on the notifications to make sure you don't miss any of these episodes and you can share it with others who may enjoy it, need to hear it, be blessed by it. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. I've got some great news for you. We've got a promo code, Simplify. If you've not used it before, the first time you use it at the checkout, you'll save 10% off your entire order at PentecostalPublishing.com. You can pick up Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast, or and or 10 Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments, both books I have written, walk through Scripture or walk through a devotion and help us in our relationship with Jesus. So head over there or Amazon, you can pick that up for Kindle. Or if you live in the Mount Vernon, Knox County, Ohio area, you can pick that up at Paragraphs. I want to celebrate. This is our 200th episode. <laughs> I am so thankful. When I began this podcast, I really intended just to go through the, the devotional Simplify, the 52 weeks, and be done. But there was a hue and cry at the end of those 52 weeks to continue the devotional podcast. And so thank you for continuing to listen and growing our listenership and sharing it with others. We have hit 200, and Lord willing, we'll just keep on going and keep on growing. So thank you so much for making this part of your relationship and your walk with Jesus Christ. Next week, I'm going to continue the story, and I want to share with you a devotion called After the Flood. Good news, ladies and gentlemen, there is life after the flood. I am looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always Look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.